0: We live in times of extreme uncertainty when it comes to social unrest, rumors of war, extreme earth changes, and deadly pandemics. Those that know our planet experiences cyclical cataclysms also know that we are long past due for the next one. Make a plan and start by building an emergency food supply. Prepare with My Patriot Supply. I trust and use My Patriot Supply for my emergency prepping. They are experts in emergency preparedness and have a guaranteed 2-day delivery. Right now, save $70 on a 2-week emergency food kit and $100 on a 4-week supply. Go to preparewithfkn.com. My Patriot Supply food kits last up to 25 years in storage and include breakfast, lunch, and dinners. Disasters don't wait, and neither should you. Be prepared for anything that may be coming with My Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithfkn.com or click the link in the description. Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight I want to welcome Barry Littleton. He began having paranormal experiences at a very young age, including encounters with extraterrestrial beings. These encounters led him to a lifetime of research and exploration into both the metaphysical and paranormal fields. He has an education majoring in psychology, sociology, and ethnic studies. And for the last 22 years, he has worked with at-risk youth and juvenile offenders through utilizing the cognitive behavioral approach. Barry, welcome. How you doing tonight?
1: How you doing, Chris? Thank you for having me on. I appreciate
0: it. I'm very good. And I appreciate you coming on. I've been looking forward to this. I love having experiencers and contactees like yourself on Um, especially you, because you can connect all the fields together, like the UFO field and the paranormal and consciousness, because I I know it's all connected. Um, I've done enough research. I've had enough intelligent researchers like yourself on to know that all these things are connected in some way. Um, And the more I research it, the more that becomes evident. And you have a fascinating story So let's start at the beginning for you. Where did it all start for you?
1: You know, for me, it was childhood. Um, As far back as I can remember, you know, I started like waking up, especially around the ages of six and seven, especially seven. A lot of things happened to me when I was seven. Um, But I would wake up not in my bed and uh, at somewhere else. It seemed like a room that uh, where we actually was kind of a gray room with a with a black table on it on the table had like some. Fe- a feather, a bowl of water, and then these uh, silver balls, these like metal balls. And what you'd have to do at first, you know, what you're kind of told to do was to move the feather with your mind, then stir the water, move it, then start floating these balls. They would start floating around. So it was one of the things that would happen to me when I wake up and it would make it to where I, like I hadn't slept the next day because I was awake the whole time, you know, when you experience something. So that's one thing that happened. Another so thing is, I had this, a playmate. This
0: first experience, like, were you were you sleeping and you would just it would just start happening like that?
1: Yeah, I would normally wake up out of my sleep, but I wouldn't be at home, and that's always somewhat alarming, you know. And that went on into another phase to where I started when I got a little older. I started waking up on board ships, but I had somebody that actually came by and started would like talk to me sometimes that uh, I thought was a playmate that actually wasn't. I wound up seeing this individual on a on a ship, like a few years later, when I was in about the sixth grade, and I had it. A... Did
0: it look like a human?
1: Yeah, he did. Then, at least I think it says something what these beings can do as far as consciously project into our optical nerves, because he seemed, appeared to be like he wore, he rode this an old school swin, and he had like kind of a big hat, a baseball hat. And he had on these glasses that, like the ones that my mom from the 60s called kitty cats, they're kind of big. So in that way, I would tell you now as an adult, yeah, he looked a little bit odd. But as a kid, he was just somebody who was playing with me when I was trying to make dams on the side of the curb to stop it from flooding the world. And he stopped by a few times and would talk to me just before my brother would come back out or whoever was supervising me, you know? And um, I didn't recognize this until later on when I saw him on board a ship. He did something else, and he showed up one day at my school, after school, and my mom was in conferences, and stopped these kids from pushing me off a slide. He did something odd that night, but until then, until I actually saw him on board this craft in a uniform, it was different. I realized it's not the kid I've been playing with, a whole different scenario, and he did something to stop me from being able to see him as an insectoid type of being, as he actually exists. And it tells me that he had the ability to do it to other individuals too. When he stopped me from being pushed off that slide on the playground, play, playground, nobody screamed. Hey, there's an insect right there. He looked like a person, so that says something what they can do optically as far as the way we perceive them, and also probably with the age of some age of some technology too, virtual reality type of scenarios we're dealing with. So. Sorry, I'm probably going off too too far on that.
0: Oh no, no, that's fascinating. Uh, that's exactly what I want you to get into. But um, as far as your childhood experiences, how long did did it continue to where he was taking you on this craft?
1: You know, the big one that happened was well, I was in the sixth grade, and I call it the acid rain experience, where I woke up on board this craft. I mean, this is very vivid. It was somewhat alarming because on the screen, there's a screen there, and I can see out other like UFOs out there over what appears to be a mountain pass was sucking up like clouds into them or they're doing something. <clears throat> and he starts telling me about the acid rain is very bad for your planet. Well, I never even heard of that before, you know? So I'm thinking all oh, this is coming through telethought. It comes instantaneous. Old were you planes. at this point? Um, I was in the sixth grade. So it would have been about 12 actually. Yeah. About 11, 12. So <clears throat> that's uh that, that was, that was the main one. Then after that, I started asking, you know, like trying to request that these experiences be happen again or be even more physical so I could try to grab some technology or do something so I could prove this was happening to me. And then the contact stopped from about after that experience to about the time I was about 17, 18. Then I started going into what I call the adult onset experiences, which were definitely physical. The ones I talk about are the four that were physical and somebody else is with me three of the times. And you know, some of that, that delusion is not shared when you see these craft in the sky, it really does something to you. And then suddenly you're missing time, but you can still see these faces, you can see the beings, you can feel the energy, the information that was transferred. But then it starts fading, the further you get from the horizon itself. Does that make sense? It the further does, away you get from the event, it's yourself. It starts kind of fading. Yes. I
0: understand, yes. And that now, creates... the 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 time period from when you were younger, between that time and when it started when you were an adult, there was no uh, strange experiences, or did you have any type of paranormal experiences?
1: Yeah, I had, I had a few, but I wouldn't consider them um, extraterrestrial. You know what I mean? Sometimes we start dealing with our consciousness, and – awareness to start doing so because that was one that i would like to i like to try techniques don't just read about it in a book take it in the realm of action you know it's like so, taking something like carlos Castaneda. was it fiction or was it fact so you got to try some of the techniques he offers to see if it does things that he's saying you know what i mean little things like that so that leads to paranormal events quite a bit but none of them were of the extraterrestrial type you know sometimes maybe some interdimensional beings but that's That might be slightly different.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I think that they are connected in some way, you know, um, like you were saying with consciousness earlier, how they have, they may have some ability to project what they want you to see them as, Mm -hmm. you know, through your consciousness. That's very interesting. And, you know,
1: to be honest, and I try to say this openly, because taking the factor of like religion out of it, And just keeping it spiritual and saying when trying to seek the prime creator or source or creator, whatever people want to call it, most a lot of my encounters started intensified when I was trying to actually quest for that, for the prime creator, and trying to quest for that energy and meditate towards that. Then these other things started manifesting even stronger to the point I would say they're almost side effects, like psychic abilities. A lot of that is just side effects of trying to manifest creator consciousness in your life.
0: And you know, I was just at the Laughlin UFO (laughs) conference and so many contactees and experiencers said the same thing that once you start to experience this, you also have physiological changes and possibly psychic abilities, precognitive abilities, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. You know, that's cool because I'm a firm believer. And since I've come forward the amount of real contactees and experiencers that have come forward to me that I've been able to get in communication with, I mean, it makes me think that my theories were always correct. That about 80%, 85% of our population has had a contact. You know, maybe things like the Free f- for Foundation for Research and Extraterrestrial Encounters, they did that survey. And it's a really a good one, anyone that looks into it. And it's like three, four phases of it they did. But when you start really looking into it, a lot of what they found that only 25% of encounters are physical, like the ones I'm talking about. The others are these astral dream type of experiences. And saying, for will uh, shut up, but saying why I think that is also, because that body, that dream body, that astral body, conforms, conforms to different physical laws than this body does. And for me, if you're somebody there having a physical encounter, there's something different about the inside of these crafts I was in they're not in the same dimension. And there's something that they gave me, the words they're giving me is temporal aphasia, which is something I'm suffering from that to me, it feels like when you're being pulled down by G-forces kind of, but also like when you're being spun on a merry-go-round or like seasick, it feels like that to a point where after a while, it becomes very debilitating to where I can tell you I couldn't exist there for that long. You know what I mean? Or any person could, and also there's a mist floating around on those decks that makes it kind of hard to breathe. Also, you know, then you get these beings in there some of them that are non-physical that have bombard, bombarding you telepathically. It really does something to the senses. You know what I mean? It's not the same as what like a Star Trek representation. It's not like that when you're really on a multidimensional ship. Sorry. going.
0: Oh, back. don't be sorry. That's fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I've heard so much of the same, uh, types of things. Um, and I also heard that there's uh, in some of these ships like an organic wall, maybe even algae type material. Have you experienced something like that?
1: Mm hmm. Uh, more of like a fungus. It's interesting to hear that starting to get talked about for a while. So I got ridiculed a bit at first because I kept enforcing how much of the craft itself, the inside, is organic. And the ones I've been on board, it feels to me almost like it looks somewhat like a toadstool or a mushroom, the texture of it, but it's got a harder consistency. So that's kind of what but also we're dealing with craft is the way they explained it to me is and show it to me are some of these craft are components that are involving a type of fungus, like I mentioned, metals that are mined from planets that are devoid of Van Allen belts, and then also a type of the part of the crew's DNA. This compound is grown the same way we see mushrooms symbolically grown now, but they're grown over a micro wormhole in zero gravity. So that's kind of how we have a ship that is alive and sentient more than what we're thinking in the modality of contact. Does that make sense, kind of man? or am It I, does. No, it's you know, amazing. Just, um, yeah, kinda, um, it's, it's it makes sense cool to, to me. With. I
0: don't know about how much my audience, but I, I'm pretty sure they get it. Now, um, cool. let's go back to... Your first real physical experience uh, when you were
1: when you were older, can you talk about that? Which one? the first one or the last one or: The first one, the first one: The first one, one. Yeah. yeah, I was actually you know I was with a um, uh, lady I was dating at the time, and I um, tried to my idea was to take her out. We were just our first year in college. We were actually we went out in the country to quote-unquote meditate, you know, that was my my theory to raise some kundalini, you know, so I found a spot way out in the country, probably about, uh, I don't know, 10 miles outside of our city or something like that, and there's a pond out there, and during this course of meditation, uh, I started feeling this, and we are in the car, and I started feeling something. I opened up my eyes, and this ship pulsed in, actually pulsed in over the pond, it was so distinctive about this light when it kind of materializes pulses in is I can feel it. And it's got kind of a light on the top of it that appears to be rotating. And every time it comes near me, it's going, woo, woo, woo. I mean, it's really tuning me in. And I try to kind of tell her about it. Cause she's sitting there and she's, I never forget that she's sitting there in Indian uh, Hindu style meditating in the front seat. And I said, Hey, do you uh, see this thing out here? And she's like, uh, she they had an accent. She said, hey, man, whatever that is, that's your thing, man. That's your thing. Leave me be. And she never opened up her eyes. I said, okay. And so I want to just keep trying to let this thing tune in me in because it's like buzzing me anyway. So I started trying to meditate again and go in communication with it. And I start, like, seeing things again. You know, it's already I'm already seeing faces and I'm seeing technology. I like technology. So I'm seeing that. And then uh, I kind of back with these beings or something is happening, then all of a sudden there's a break in it. And I look at her and she's looking between the uh, the console and the window and she's looking at this thing. And I say, hey, it's been there a long time, relax. You could mess it up, you know? And she starts looking at me and looking at the light and hyperventilating and then it takes off. And then suddenly her and I are standing kind of outside of the car, looking at these lights in the sky. And that it's so weird how that happened. And that's the, the car is like turned around. So then I see this 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 dancing of these ships in the sky is all I can tell you. I see a sky that uh, a ship that morphs, then another comes up. She's watching this with me, but this one I'm watching morphs from what looks like something similar to a Pleiadian ship into these crystal, a crystal con con, con- formation that actually looks like what J.J. Uh, J, J. Hurtok's book The Keys of Enoch. He shows these ships turning in what he calls Bipil middle and tripyramidal merkabas This turned into a tripyramidal Merkabah. and it was crystal like these crystal with these with these coming off and like this rod coming off, another one and another one. So in that way, it almost looked like a molecule. And to be honest with you, Chris, to see this ship morph like it did in the sky from something metal and large to this living crystals that has some kind, some type of a bioluminescence or chemical luminescence glow coming out of them it really threw me for a loop between that and being able to see the being still and some of the faces and the technology and knowing the information that was communicated it was kind of just hard to accept the whole thing and it's weird because as a child I wanted the the experiences to be even more physical so I could try to prove it and then when it happened years later I wasn't fully prepared for it (laughs) 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 because <laughs> it broke my perception, and fortunately, somebody else was there to at least witness this to a degree, and something happened to them as well, and fortunately, that type of delusion is not shared, because when I was a kid, I can't prove it. It could be chemical imbalances or something that made this seem like it was so real. Who knows, but when I got older, I could prove that this stuff was really happening to me.
0: That's amazing. Now, it's I find it interesting how You know, nowadays, a lot of the reports of UFOs are plasma or these crystalline ships, uh, you know, these energy sources. And back in the, you know, the 20s and 30s airships, the 40s, we had... You know d- different type of metallic discs, yeah. and then now we're seeing these energy shifts and it, it makes me um, you know even wonder even more if this is just based on our consciousness or our collective consciousness at the time that they're appearing mm-hmm.
1: I think I, I think it's a little of both a little of both of that and honestly every, everybody talks about this shift in consciousness, but the truth is things are changing in terms I think of speed. And we're able to perceive things now that consciously that we were not before. Many of the things that have always been there, you know, like, for example, in fact, I'm going to be doing a video on this. Some of these ships that I'm seeing and what they tell me about them is, you know, there's this fungal component to them. So they've got a symbiotic connection with trees. The same way you see mushrooms growing on trees right now, there's a connection there. It's a symbiotic connection. Don't think that some of these living organisms that have chosen to be vessels for other beings, some of them inorganic, some of them different types of beings themselves, plasma and things like that, but yet they're inside of these crafts. All right. So we're dealing with the type of entity that's allowing itself to do that. So when they come to Earth, they start form- forming symbiotic connections. Some of them, you know, like going down to what is called the deep biosphere which is where so much bacteria lies in our planet, the sun discovered that it's unreal. It's the size of like all the oceans put together. And so maybe getting a little away from the idea of interterrestrial cities and animal bird and all that type of stuff, let's change the contact modality to what I just talked about. Some of these ships, the skin of them are composed of fungus and different types of micro bacteria. And when they start communicating symbiotically with our planet, they're using things like the tree system, the deep, the deep biosphere. That's important. You know, um, the coral reefs, the coral things, just little things like that, that i um, sorry, anyway.
0: Well, that's okay because um, that's another thing that I've been looking into and talking to a lot of researchers about is that a lot of them possibly are already here. They come from inside the earth, they come from inside the oceans, and they they just reside there. And there could be a whole you know universe of life under our oceans that we don't even know about, right?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely, you know, Preston Dennett wrote a book uh, USOs. And that one's fascinating. He did another one, uh, Schoolyard Encounters. How many actually ships are seen or beings are seen dealing with elementary school children. There's like a hundred and some cases in that book. So I think that that once again kind of shifts it over a little bit. But uh, definitely coming out of the earth, I think, is, is a big one. And Just as far as portals and probably some of the earth is how it might be really be inside is more like tunnels to a degree. And I think you've got places in there where there probably are cities and there's cities, you know, something like that going, they call interrestrial cities. But I think all of them might not be as fully corporeal as what we're accustomed to dimensionally. There's a lot going on here. And I think the more that consciousness goes forward, the more people keep communicating and coming together. I think the more of this is revealing itself.
0: Uh, Yes, I can definitely see that. Um, now at some point you had, uh, physical contact with some of these beings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that was what was disconcerting to a degree because when I'm done with the experience itself, although I can see the faces not just been in the presence of one of these beings, when you're not face to face with them, it starts to fade and the experience itself does. So then I'm dealing with, remembering a lot of this information that didn't fade, you know, and it's all the amount of time that after this one of these experiences should have been only ten minutes, five minutes for looking at one of these things, suddenly it's been four hours, four and a half hours. So that's a lot of missing time. And trying to deal with that and trying to with the amount of memories that I had was insufficient. But I walked around for a long time being against hypnosis and saying, Oh, I'm you know, Mr. Conscious Experiencer when the truth is I can only Remember a fragment of what I had actually experienced, so I want to try to plug things in. So I had to go really more deep, dealing with my own. What did my subconscious and superconscious record on those levels? And sometimes you have to go into hypnosis to really get some of that information back out. So that's what I want to emphasize to anybody listening in your audience right now. Anyone that resonates with me, a lot of times they always a lot of people say, "Oh, I haven't had had something weirdest happen to me," but they're not experiences like yours. You'd be surprised. They might be much greater than mine. But the thing is, if you're somebody that's seen a UFO, even for a couple of seconds and you're kind of amazed by it or it just tripped you out a little, think about getting a regression, especially if you feel like you were somehow communicating with it, if if you were meant to see it. Get a regression down to a deep level, and you'll find that on the superconscious level, something was probably communicating with you. It may have come through in the dreams you had that night also. You may have had strange dreams. But this is becoming such a common phenomenon now when I say I think 85% of our population has had experiences, and a lot of it might be, like I said, astral or dream, so that way they won't be, like me, sick there, about to throw up from this temporal aphasia to where it's interfering with the experience itself. You know what I mean? So they don't have to worry about me grabbing anything. I can barely stop from puking. You know, it's like being on a, on a roller coaster all the time when your stomach goes, It feels like that. It's not very.
0: (laughs) I can imagine. Now, uh, the first time you you were regressed, um, tell us about what came out.
1: You know, more of the information that I was given concerning a lot of the technology, and I was more seeing what all did I see on this craft. How many rooms was I in? What were the rooms like? What were the beings inside of them like? And that was what was like really different. Like like, give you an example on this craft that the first one, the first experience, and I could still see this in my mind's eye, but I had, it kind of starts fading away. You just start going on with your life. But there are these eggs, these eggs on each, every room in this craft were these eggs. And I say they're, they're large. The front of them looks like a type of really clear glass. And on the back is like metal. And they're like a type of uh carbon tube looks like it's going into this organic wall, this mushroom type wall, but inside of this um, egg is a lot of this mist. There's mist all over this place and it's to me it smells like Windex but the inside of the crab, the inside of this egg has even deeper mist than that and have these lights floating around in there. Now at first as I'm walking around dizzy examining these things, I'm noticing that the crew members are actually looking at these eggs too quite a bit. So I started examining them a little bit more, you know, but I assumed at first they were power sources. Later, like in a different room, when I'm suffering from so much temporal aphasia, I'm so sick, I'm about to pass out. Two of these lights emerge from one of the, the, this egg in that that room, which was smaller, but these lights come out and one attaches to me here and one here. I can feel they're doing something to my my biofeel to maybe my time field, but they're trying to help me with this temporal aphasia. And they helped me go into another room. That's when I realized these were entities. So we're dealing with non-corporeal, non-physical entities of most likely a command structure, command officers of some type that are non-corporeal that are staying in these eggs because the eggs mimics their environment inside there even more than a part of the ship that I'm on board, that I can be with their, these beings that we're meeting them halfway, even though it's at a dimensional sink, I can still exist there for a while. But I think for these lights, they're still like fish out of water, even outside of these eggs in that other part of the ship. Makes sense? Uh,
0: yeah, that's fascinating. Now, did you get the sense um, at throughout these abductions and experiences that they were benevolent beings that you were dealing with?
1: Definitely, definitely. I'm glad. Thank you for asking that. Because right now, a lot of people are really into the the me lab thing and the the hybrid thing or the the, the, the space, the secret space thing. And that's fine. I know a lot of that happens. Okay, there's a lot of people that have experienced that. I take nothing from that. But I'm personally not one of them. My encounters are very positive, you know, to point to where I became so paranoid about that part of the aspect. I went for regression just to see had the military ever got me or had I been interfered with, you know, and nothing that didn't come out. My experiences weren't like that. So I think that emphasizing the positive side of contact with no sexual connotation, no experiment connotation that needs to be emphasized because that's really what I think that all the contactees can do is bring this information together and start transferring it into from not just the paranormal communities in the new age communities, the UFO community, but with the scientific community and we start being taken seriously because I've seen some components and some types of energy and energy systems that I know that can be harnessed here or we can start working on. You know what I mean? I think it's just, but anyway, that's sorry. I don't know if I answered your question. You
0: did. No, uh, because you know, I've, uh, most of the contactees that I, I speak to, They say the same thing, that they're they're dealing with benevolent aliens. Very few, very rarely do you hear the malevolent uh, aliens or extraterrestrials. Um, But what are your thoughts on that aspect of it, Um, especially on the secret space program and the MyLab aspect? Do you think that our shadow government is working with malevolent extraterrestrials in any way?
1: you know i would i would say with all evidence yes you know like from my experiences personally i've not i've been on several different ships i've seen a few different types of entities but none of them were reptilians none of them were grays you know what i mean so that way when i was younger especially and i'm trying to conform my or, or at least relate my experiences to those that i'm hearing about in the media they didn't go together and that was somewhat distressing. And then on top of that, I had the problem that there were no melanin-dominant uh, ethnic people that were talking about this that I could that looked like me. And the beings I was seeing being represented always looked like Fabio, they never looked ethnic. So that wasn't uh, doing a whole lot for me as far as uh, anti-stress. You know what I mean? <laughs> so what type but, um, of, um, uh, no, go, go ahead, continue. I was gonna say, real quick, an example I'll give you is this. Some of these beings that I sold saw on a couple of different craft, one of them, and one of the few that gave me a name, the name it gave most of the time, they don't have names. They gave me the name Mana, M-A-A-N-A, is kind of how I have seen it spelled. And this being stood a little over seven feet tall. And it had the thing that was unique about it is that its brain, it looked like its brain was on the outside. Okay, and it was very large, large circular eyes. And in that way on earth, the only thing I've seen that looks like that is brain coral in our sea. And, you know, one night I woke up thinking about this being, and I know it's information it had given, because I was questioning, like, how come some of these beings would come forward when I was younger? And then they stepped back and they stopped, or their physical experiences stopped around the time I was like 28. I didn't have any more of those. You know what I mean? Instead, there's just this telepathic information going down. This, uh, people call them downloads, but I call it more of a channel, or information, of just information that this alliance has given to me quite a bit. And this time I wake up thinking about this being in particular, this mana being. And one of the craft that I was just exp- talking to you about with the eggs, there were smaller beings that looked like mana with this brain exposed. And people started pointing out when I was speaking at the uh, either expo or one of these places that it kind of looked like the brain on the outside, like the movie Mars Attacks. So I had to go back to look at those beings. Yeah, they they actually similar, but this their this beings head head looks a little bit harder, like almost like an armadillo type of substance to it. All right, but when I, I wake up this information coming in about the Great Barrier Reef dying, and when I start looking into that, it's core and super coral. It's it's actually coral that's the the Barrier Reef is dying for various reasons they're saying, but it's a bleaching, the bleaching of the coral reef. And I started wondering, because these beings I've dealt with, they all seem to be much more interested in the earth and the matrix of the earth and the earth surviving. Like I've asked questions telepathically saying, you know, what's going to happen in the future? And I never get a response, but they have showed me the earth in the past looking like a burned out cinder orbiting our, our sun like an ash. And they said, that will never happen again. So we say the earth is billions of years old. At some point, it might've burned up and something happened here, right? So I know they show me the past, but not the future, but they're much more interested in the matrix of the earth. And this being when I'd encounter it, I asked where they're from. I've been ridiculed for that. I asked where they're from, what they want, especially just telepathically, you've got a second to do it because some of their times they're answering questions before you can formulate them in your mind. That's, discon- that's disconcerting. That's you know another I mean?
0: thing I heard is they 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 communicate so quickly and then they answer things sometimes almost before you're even finished asking a
1: question, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so so this being, so it turns into the coral reef is dying. The scientists right now are engineering what they call super coral, coral that can withstand some of this bleaching effect. And so this makes me wonder, this being mana, although it shows me when I'm uh, 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 Water world that they're saying outside of our multiverse, outside like outside of our space time continuum. So we're dealing with creation that's so far out there that it's hard to even think of how do you have a water planet out there. But I was thinking, what would it be interested in the Earth for? It's got something to do with this 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 coral reef, this bleaching. Because remember, the the brain of this creature looks like brain coral. Look up brain coral. Looks just like. In fact, on my YouTube channel, there's a video called Mana and the Great Barrier Reef. I show pictures of mana that I had done for me by Christine Dennett and also kind of connected with the coral and the super coral and how for all I know this being is or its origin is Earth and even though their species went out, that's why they're still connected with this or for all I know they could be a type of super coral that evolves in the future. Who knows? We're dealing with beings that can bend the space-time continuum, so all deals are off. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 mind-blowing, the, the, the depth and the levels that you can go to when you explore this phenomenon. Um, so so far, you've told us that you've dealt with this being with the large brain on the outside. You've dealt with non-corporeal light beings, Um it, not grays and, and humanoid beings, right?
1: Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. Yeah. The humanoids that I dealt with, you know, um, I had to eat a little crow on that because I made the Fabio joke quite a bit. And I know some people got mad at me about it or maybe, uh, Hercules, Kevin Sorbo is Hercules, all the Pleiadians look like that. Christy Brinkley, National Vamp- Vampoon's, uh, Lampoon's Vacation. All the Pleiadians are always represented looking like that. So I had kind of made a few comments about it. And one night I had put on uh, Facebook the Pleiadian workout from the 90s where Fabio's going like that. And he's going like that with his hair. And I said, I'm working out with the Pleiadians. And so people got really mad at me about it. But it was just a joke, you know. Anyway, but it it was easy because uh, I had, to my knowledge, not dealt with them. When I started dealing more and looking deeper into my childhood experiences, experiences, I've had these these beings that show up to my knowledge and in my life and for lifetime experiencers, this goes down, about every seven years, these beings that show up and say something to you, that's these people that are just out of control, very enlightening, then they slip back in the crowd. They can catch you at a library, in an airport, and just every seven years, they seem to come and make contact with lifetime experiencers. So I call these beings charters, but they're humanoids, okay? They definitely seem human, but their vibration, if you're into energy, is a little more advanced, a little faster, there's something different about them. And the first one that came around to me, the first charter, he was a uh, 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 Caucasian, okay? So he was a taller, a taller Caucasian guy with kind of grayish hair, and if you make him a little younger, I don't know, maybe he would have been blonder, I don't know. But I mean, I had a couple experiences with him and for reasons that lead me to believe that the type of ship that I saw and experienced this individual on had windows on it, but most of these ships don't have windows because they're organic, these are the ones I've been on, that this is some type of a time ship uh, recording device, you know, and we're dealing with perhaps individual individuals that are dealing with the timelines. And so we talk about a time war going on. I don't think that's much of a joke. Some of those later Star Trek shows that dealt a lot with time wars. I don't think that's quite the joke that uh, people want it to be anyway. Sorry.
0: No. Well, what are your thoughts on, I've I've talked to a couple of researchers recently that say that some of these uh, aren't even extraterrestrials. They're actually us from the future coming back and, and visit. What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I think that's quite possible. When we start dealing with just right now the private sector and time control technology that's going on in the private sector, that's very real. You know, getting away from the conspiracy stuff so much and dealing with what science is actually showing us, things that we can access, especially in the medical field, dealing with like stasis fields and something like that, that makes it to where, yes, there could definitely be factions that are coming back in the future that have dealt with this technology but we have to deal with something else. Let's take this a little bit further, okay? What they call the quantum hologram of consciousness. And what the quantum hologram is, is actually the aperture of a wormhole. Let's say you have something like this rock goes in the aperture. There is a perfect copy that is created on the aperture while the real thing proceeds on through. And if we're looking in the terms of craft, and when craft make a frequency jump or go through one of these wormholes, since their, their, their engine is actually grown around one, like I said, a lot of times people will see one UFO there, moving strange, then all of a sudden there'll be two, then there'll be one, then they're both gone. But what that is, is a quantum hologram. It's what you're seeing when it makes that frequency jump. So what we have is actually a lot of these beings that can interact with us through the quantum hologram. And that takes us to another level. If we want to talk about type 3, top, type 4 civilizations, as uh, Mitcho Kako and then call, call it. I mean, that, 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 that scale, you start dealing with type 3 and type 4, suddenly civilizations may not exist anymore. But technically, they were using wormholes as their main power source, so they still exist within the quantum hologram, and they can still interact with us through the divine field in our brain. So that's why I think some of the time that we get bombarded with all this negative contact stuff, it can actually formulate and kind of mold our consciousness to where it interferes with the actual contact that we might be getting psychically or otherwise, the beings that might be higher vibration trying to come through but our own molded consciousness that we've been project done with through the or been exposed to through the media has molded what we're experiencing, suddenly we're getting abducted and we're having, or we're getting, you know, anal pros, whatever the case might be. So I think that's kind of a big deal. And when we're talking about 85% of our population has had contact. Try to remove some of that and expand your own consciousness. Hypnosis is needed. Don't let anybody tell you, don't ever do hypnosis. Who are they to tell you not to explore your own consciousness? I think not. Anyway, sorry.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. And something that goes along with that is a lot of people who have out of body experiences also report otherworldly entities when they're in that state. Um. Whether it be you know angels or light beings or even extraterrestrials have been reported in that state. It makes me think you know there's life just teeming all around us in this other spectrum that we can't even see. Right.
1: Yes. Yes. You know, I had um, about nine years ago, almost 10 years ago, had a bad car accident on the way to work. And I um, went through like several windows in my little Trans Am Firebird. And I went through the T-Tops even. I sustained four catastrophic traumatic brain injuries. And I actually died on the way to the hospital. And then I was in a coma for about a little over two weeks. And it took about a month to remember who I was. All right. But even before I could remember who I was, when I woke up, I had a, I had a near-death experience, and I could see these angelics. You know, the the Uranta book calls a certain higher type of angel super nanophim. It's a type of archangel that's really high. But these beings were like a thousand strands of light. They were not corporeal, and I swear to you, my friend, there was there were regal, but there was so much love coming off these beings. It was almost painful. And I think if I could perceive actually what they were even more, that frequency of love would have burned up my chakras. So even before I remembered who I was and had what you call a clearing out for a brain injury patient, where you suddenly remember everything, most of your cognitive abilities come back. So even before I had that, I could still see these angelics in my mind's eye. So that that when dealing with vibrational and that type of love frequency, it was unreal. Like, for example, you know, there were each of them was different color. They have these these strands of light, and then outside of them are like these. To me, they look like shields. Okay, they weren't wings, but they look like shields. I like Star Trek, man. So it looked like defense shields to me, you know. And then outside of that, I could see what looked like steam. Like when you see a mirage coming up off the off the road, you see that little the steam, little waves. I could see that outside of these shields. So when in comparison with that, and even the higher vibrational beings that I just described on the egg in the ship that were non corporeal, and some of them look like to me, different configurations of light, configurations of plasma, you know what I mean? There's all sorts of different receptacles that can be used for consciousness on different levels. So they, to me, had a very high vibration, but it was not like these super nanofem. it was totally different. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And is there, um, I guess you could say a, a form of a multiverse, but different densities, different dimensions, like say we're third density and then they have a dimension of fourth and fifth density on up to, you know, say the source. Um, these beings, I guess they they exist in these different forms and these different densities and they can come through and, you know, make contact with us when they feel, you know, fit, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. And going back to the astral dream aspect of us, that we have a biofield around us, an energy field that we can actually move our cognitive abilities to. And once you start to have that ability to dream like that, dreaming awake, once you can do that, you can meet these beings halfway. That's why a lot of times they'll come to us in dreams because it's a, that if it's a higher vibration, they can, we're raised a little. Or they might slow it a little bit or the dimensions are just a little bit closer in the dreamscape so they can do more communicating with us there. Like, for example, for me, it was somewhat disconcerting because I don't, despite meditation, all that, I don't always remember my dreams that vividly. I have to really work on that stuff, on dream attention, you know what we call it. Um, I got to really work on that as other people can just naturally do it. They dream lucidly. So those are the ones that need to be really aware after they see a UFO, what type of dreams do they have right after that? Because that's a lot of times these beings are communicating with them right there on the spot, on the superconscious level and the regular consciousness that's delayed and it comes out in the dreamscape. Always worth exploring these things, you know?
0: Definitely. Sorry. No, um, and something else about, you know, these, the dream state uh, contact, Um, A lot of people dismiss it as just that, a dream, but it it can be so much more profound than that. Um, I think that a dream state is actually another state of our existence, wouldn't you say?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. And, you know, for me, and I was one of those people, too, because for me, the astral experiences that I had or dream experiences were not like the physical ones, not like waking up on board one of these craft where I can touch things and I can actually, you know, physically and present physically and cognitively. It's different than the dream type of thing. That's more astral, more imagination involved. So I always wanted to disqualify that that a lot until I started dealing with my adult experiences more and this temporal aphasia. And I realized in one experience, I'll give you an example. One One experience I did, like the first one was about 18, 17. The first one they started again I wake up on board this craft and I'm by this engine, but up above I can see what looks like transparent people touching this column of light that's being generated by this engine and going up this column towards this black box. And the problem with some of these craft to be there physically is I found that some of the rooms move around you or suddenly you're just in them when, you, when you're when you curious and getting too close to a window or something, suddenly you're in it. And when that happens, that temporal aphasia that sickness is double so i don't know what that says about interspatial geometry and how they do that but it takes the whole doctor who concept to another level because something's going on there (laughs) the tardis is like bigger inside on the outside but except the rooms actually move around you in this thing so it seems or the fact it's an organic being perhaps it's perhaps it's like being digested i don't know Anyway,
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) now you you said that in your earlier experiences, you actually dealt with insectoid
1: beings, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This being, that's the other being that gave me a name. And I said, it it came and played with me a few times, but for whatever reason, I just perceived him to be a, a kid like me. Now he was telepathic and I was too young to realize yet everybody can't do that. You know what I mean, not everybody's a telepath. But so I thought the fact he was playing with me, helping me make these dams and communicating with me a while before he'd take off, you know, that he must be a kid like me. But then I see him on this craft during this, what I call just before the acid rain experience where I wake up on board this craft and I'm on this, I can see the screen and on the side of the screen is he's floating above these deck plates. He's like levitating. And he's got on this really cool uniform, man. All right. But he looks like an insectoid. When I say that, he wasn't a mantid. He wasn't tall like that. He didn't have the hands. He did not look like a praying mantis. He did look more like a grasshopper. You really look at what a real grasshopper looks like with the milky eyes. And that's when I, but I knew that this was the same individual by the vibration that I had played with. But yet, this time, he feels more like an ancient scientist of some type. And he's communicating information with me. You know, he gives me a name. And I'm asking a lot, like, where are you from? What do you want? (laughs) You know, uh, sorry. I mean, when you're in the presence of a non-human, that stuff isn't just like some, that stuff's mind-blowing, man. Uh, i laugh that people criticize. You shouldn't do that. You just accept it. Well, hey, I got to first make sure I'm not in danger. Self-preservation first. But you can feel like a type of love energy coming off these beings, a higher type of vibration that kind of keeps you at calm. To a certain degree. And I was never at one point in any of my experiences in danger. Never did they, you know, threaten me with anything. But trying to exist in that environment with the dimensional distortion is very trying.
0: Now, Did you ever have any experiences with implants or any foreign objects or anything like that?
1: No, no, I haven't ever had that. Uh, you know, the most, the closest I can say I came to that is the closest is to an experiment that I went is the fourth, the third physical experience where I was with somebody else. We're like outside looking at this cloud comes up on we we're, 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 we're on our trampoline, trampoline. And then afterwards I'm seeing all these faces and i see seen lights going out of this cloud and seeing this technology and this, these wands, these, these crystals with these, what looks like fiber optics coming out of it. You know, uh, so I wonder how to go back later, next get regressed and find out what happened to me because four hours was missing again. It was another one with a large strain of missing time and her and I get off this trampoline and the trampoline is, everything's wet, but everything except for our butts where we slid off the trampoline, we're totally dry. So something happened, we're missing four hours. I could see these beings, I've got information again, but it starts fading, and it's the same situation. And you know what? That leads you in your normal daily, day-to-day life to start obsessing. You obsess about other creation, other beings, spaceships, X-files. I mean, you name it. You start just tripping out, you know. (laughs) But um, what actually happened in this this experience is I'm going in. I go into this room on board this craft. Now, this room is a bed. Okay. And the bed looks like it's very low. It's maybe two feet tall, two feet off the floor. And it's got what looks like rubies, sapphires, diamonds, all fused together. And it's kind of jagged. And they're asking me to lay down on this bed. And the first thing in telepathy, I'm saying, no, there's mana is in this room that I described that one being, I've seen this being on several experiences. There's another being that's smaller and, and brown the larger head. And in there, are these like four little blue guys, I would almost tell you they look like grays, but they were blue and they were little with these blue suits on with the light blue racing stripe on it. And they're the ones asking me to, they're asking me to sit lay down. I'm like, no, it's going to hurt. No way. And they're saying, no, it won't. And so I just did it. All right. And I lay down on this thing and it feels like there's a, a light going across the bed under me. And then these blue guys start standing around me, and each of them has these little rods, these metal rods that have a crystal attached to it, an odd shaped crystal, what look like maybe some type of symbol on it. And then um, with this uh, fiber optics coming out of, out of the crystal, and it's moving, like some type of crystallography, organic crystals. So it looked like it was definitely alive. And they said that they were using that, because I'm like, are you copying me? And they say, no, we're, until they're giving me, is that we're awakening the quanta of your DNA because you don't always believe in yourself. And you're awake, but I'm awake enough. And it's painful for us that you don't believe in yourself. We don't understand it. And that's what they're, they're doing around me, okay? But that's as close to being experimented on I've ever been. But I was not like being strapped down there. There was no sexual connotation. These guys were little, these little blue people they were just barely taller than the bed. So they were maybe two, two and a half feet tall. The point I probably could have pushed one of them the would have probably flew through the wall. You know what I mean? A lot of people have asked me, did they feel like robots to you or cyborgs? Not to me. They felt like they cared about me. And they also, I mean, they felt very alive. They didn't feel like, although they were doing their jobs, they didn't feel like uh, robots. And Something else I have to want to caveat, all right? The blue stripes that I talked about, the the lighter blue stripes on their on their on their uh, uniform, going down the legs and the arms, that was somehow symbiotically connected, like to those fiber optics I'm talking about, which is connected to also the mushroom crystalline type of wall that gives them part of the symbiotic connection between the ship and the crew, that part of the DNA that is them that's given for the for the ship. So that's kind of a symbiotic connection with them and the ship itself. And in some ways, how I think they exist as a power source for the ship as well, maybe, in a symbiotic way, or information center, CPU, I don't know. But food for thought for
0: anybody. Yeah, definitely food for thought, I'd say. (laughs) Now, um, a question that I hear a lot is, if these beings love us so much, and they're so advanced, um, and they're here... Uh, for our benefit, why don't they stop all the the horrible shit that 's happening on our planet why don't they intervene and is there really some sort of law or agreement that they can't intervene with us that we have to figure this
1: out on our own Prime directive <laughs> like star trek you know i've I've been asked that a little bit, and I, you know and I, I all I can say to my knowledge is this all right is that one. I think, we, and it's two things, probably get some onions thrown at me here, all right? One is that uh, we're in the free will zone and who are they to be policing us with our own free will? We have to do that on our own. And the second thing is this, we've got a major problem here that many of us will agree that we are, as souls, we're immortal souls, This is whatever they want to call it, the meat shell or whatever. But we're, for the most part, immortal souls. But yet, when most of us incarnate here, this lifetime, we're devoid of soul life memories on the soul line. We're devoid of that when we incarnate here. So that's like you went kindergarten to 11th grade and you get to 12th grade, you can't remember kindergarten to 11th, but in 12th grade, you're just supposed to remember everything and just just graduate. You know, your past does not benefit you. So that means being born here as immortal souls, devoid of soul life memories, something's wrong. It means that we could have incarnated here hundreds of times and not remember it. So that takes us to the aspect of what we've seen, the beings that are controlling this place, is this a prison planet of some type where we've got uh, a criminal criminogenic factor galactically that was sent to these prison planets and also an angelic faction also to keep things balanced or re- sit there as well but everybody's wiped clean or part three or is it because we're immortal souls we've experienced everything and know the outcome of every quantum possibility and our ultimate nemesis is boredom so there was nothing left but to wipe ourselves clean to experience ourselves where god pieces and awareness again and go back through everything again either way (laughs) i'm not really that cool with the loss of soul life memories i have some from other memories from other lifetimes but they're fragmented you know what i mean so even that still leaves me saying you know what the heck you know what i mean so
0: yeah, and and I hear that along with reincarnation, that we do get to choose our life when we come back. Do you think that that we act that's something that we actually get to do?
1: You know, I'm I'm I it's, how do you say that? My brother, my older brother, have a couple of siblings. Uh, they're they're much older than me. This one is 18 years older than me. All right, and he's a musician, and he got to saying something because somebody was saying that that we. Choose where we go, and we kind of make that and all that. And he started saying, "Man, that's BS." He said, "There's no. This place is very hellish. There's no way I chose to come here on any level whatsoever." (laughs) He said, "I was like injected here or something." (laughs) You know, and and, 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 you know, so (laughs) so I, I I I don't know I. I, I think I'm here to restore. There's some past karma going on here between the people that I came here with from the stars that I can remember that don't, qual- that don't, don't categorize as Syrians or Pleiadians. We have right now so many extragalactic species that come through here, and none of that is acknowledged in the contact phenomenon. Extragalactic contact from beings that are often nor- non-corporeal. Sometimes they're just thought forms until they get into this solar system, until they get into this planet atmosphere, maybe. Then they start gaining density and start having forms that we can perceive. You know what I mean? That might even include the beings I described in the eggs. What is it like if they come out of the eggs and they're out here in this dimension? You know, that being Xandar I mentioned, the uh, insectoid, when he's on this craft and he's giving me all this information, this this communications going on between us he's telling me what basically i've turned the m&m effect is very dangerous for them and he's saying the metals in the atmosphere and the microwaves so when they come out of that craft density wise i think some of them have a problem with that you know to the point i'm saying where are you from and i'm asking this and he's giving me responses real quick like you won't understand but I thought I was heavy, Doctor Who like, so I'm like, hey, lay it on, but yeah, I will you know. And then he tells me, uh, go 900 million light years outside of your space-time continuum. He was right, Chris. I didn't know what the hell that heck that meant, man. You know, and then uh so I was kind of dazed. He says, since you don't know what that means, uh focus on this. The second and third planets outside of Jupiter, outside of Pluto. That are bases that are jumping off spots for us for your solar system because we are problems with the density. And I'm like hitting him back with, Hey, are you lying to me? There are no planets outside of Pluto. And he said, You won't understand either, not yet. And then later on, like 2000, they discover what they call trans Neptunian objects, which are out that second Kuiper belt that they think there might have been a black or brown dwarf out there. We're Binary star system, right. there's a dwarf out there making them orbit. Anyway, so but nonetheless, so I start thinking, oh my god! So some of those 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 transneptunian objects are planetoids, and that's what he was talking about. It took what fifteen twenty years for us to catch up, and for me to catch up with what he was trying to tell me. Anyway, sorry. Oh yeah, that's I'm
0: very interesting. About. Now, um, in closing tonight, do you think? I can see that we're going through an awakening. I see a lot more people coming around to some of the things that are going on behind the scenes. They're uh, accepting the fact that there's life other than humans. Um, I see a major awakening going on, and I think it may be coinciding with something big that's going to happen on our planet that may change humanity forever. It's just a feeling that I get. Um, in our ancient past, we used to have, it, what it seemed, o- open communication with some of these beings. Um, do you think that we may be coming to that, maybe possibly in our lifetime, to where everyone knows they exist, and you can just have a chat with one if you want to?
1: You know, I think so. You know, I met some interesting people at some of these conferences. One of them was a gentleman named uh, Costas Marquez. He runs he runs a like a network that is ET talk, everybody trying to get together, and trying and telepathically to communicate with star families. Things like that are like the expo I was at last week with uh actually met Linda Moulton there on the panel and Mary Rodwell is pretty cool. It's in between me, sitting in between them. So was really cool. But to see it's always the attendees out there at these conferences that are big time contactees. And I think all that bringing it all together this quote unquote shift in consciousness is what could lead to something almost like first Star Trek first contact when the Vulcans came down and changed everything. I think that something like that could possibly happen. You know, it wouldn't take many of these ships to show up over major cities, even just for a minute or two to start changing things here and people realize we're truly not alone. But looking at how something like a TV show like Ancient Aliens right now is just taken off, You know what I mean? I mean, things like that, I think, are showing us going forward and that something definitely is happening. And I think it's our best possibility for first contact, which is already happening right now, but it's happening in the way you and I have been communicating about now on the conscious level. It's not been like some big ships over the city or a White House lawn landing. It's been different, you know. Maybe it's got something to do with that prime directive thing we're joking about.
0: Yeah, could be. (laughs) And Barry thank you so much that was fascinating information and I'd love to have you back on sometime.
1: Thanks. I'm sorry I hope I didn't go too far off the topics and the questions oh, you were no, asking I that feel was like I was just talking going crazy cuz I, I feel so to good to be for. healthy. So. <laughs> I wanted to go deep with you and that's what we did. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on Chris.